Alice in Brexit Land by Levis Carroll Read by Julian Rhine-Tutt To David Cameron, without whom this book would not have been written. These days, whene'er I watch the news, or finger Twitter's app, or else my Facebook feed peruse, with iPad on my lap, I cannot fail to darkly muse, the world has gone to crap. No, rather it has gone insane, for every headline brings more horrors no one can explain, more arrows and more slings, and how the news fills up your brain with such unpleasant things. Piers Morgan, Kim Jong-un, 4chan, exploding phones, the mail, revenge porn, war against Iran, the zombie knife and kale, our long-term economic plan, fake news, too big to fail. And meanwhile, one can always hear the endless cyber scream of commenters who live to jeer and spread the latest meme, think peace, hot take, white noise, fear, screw you, 2016. But though the world is mad, all told, a balm has been supplied us in Lewis Carroll's tale of old. Let his example guide us, for he turned madness into gold like some comedic Midas. And it is he, I'm sure you guessed, this tale is modelled after, a balmy bard whose writing blessed the world with joy and laughter. And likewise I shall do my best to leave it somewhat dafter. And so the reader I implore, Come with me, hand in hand, we'll swap our crazy country for one madder and more grand, and, as dear Alice did before, fall into Wonderland. Chapter One Down the Brexit Hole Alice sat by her sister on the riverbank and wondered if she might not die of boredom. This seemed to her a rather drab mode of death. Had I the choice, thought Alice, I should prefer to be eaten by a crocodile or fall in a volcano. These thoughts aside, it was clear she needed something to do. But what? She might have chased a butterfly or plucked some daisies for a chain, but both of these things would require movement, and that was out of the question. As a last resort, Alice glanced at the book her older sister was reading. Its cover bore these words, The Debate Surrounding Membership of the European Union. She peeped inside, but saw in it no pictures or conversations. And what is the use of a book, thought Alice, without pictures or conversations? Moreover, she spotted among its strange, unwieldy words one that was all too familiar. Brexit. Alice shuddered, for all that she had heard from grown-ups over the past few weeks was Brexit this and referendum that. When she had asked what a referendum was, for it sounded like a magnificent beast with tusks and a woolly hide, she had been told it was an important decision, and, like all decisions in the grown-up realm, it was to be made with reference to trade deals, deficits, and something called GDP. Alice wished the world were not so stuffed with facts and figures. If only one could make decisions based on the first thing that popped into one's head. Imagine the laws we might have then. Free scones for every family, a blanket ban on governesses, 
even helped to buy one's doll's house. Yes, she thought, that would surely be a fine state of affairs. The day was hot and drowsy, so Alice decided to lie back, close her eyes, and pursue this train of thought. She was lazily considering whether Dinah, her cat, should not be home secretary, when suddenly a white rabbit ran by. This would not have been so remarkable had the rabbit not been wearing a navy blue tailcoat. But he was, you see, and so Alice had no choice but to take notice. Oh, rabbit, she cried, what is your name? He stopped and turned to face her. David Cammerabbit, he replied, though you can call me Dave. Then, twitching his nose, he reached inside his mustard yellow waistcoat, pulled out a pocket watch and cried, I'm late, I'm late. Late for what? asked Alice. A very important date, said the rabbit. The 23rd of June, to be precise. I need to appease my backbenchers, you see. Placate the Eurosceptics. And with that, he went dashing off across a field. Alice, who was nothing if not curious, ran after him as fast as her legs would carry her. She ran and ran, then vaulted over a hedge, only to find her quarry waiting beside a rabbit hole. The camera rabbit drew himself up and put on his best speech-giving voice. I believe with all my heart, he said, in the will of the people. As such, I see no option but to resolve the debate over our national interest by jumping in this hole. He then sprang forward and disappeared from view, leaving Alice in a quandary. She was, at heart, a sensible girl, and knew it was really very wise to go jumping down holes with no knowledge of where they might lead. Yet there had been something in the rabbit's tone, rich and commanding, as though he had attended only the finest rabbit schools, that persuaded Alice she ought to just do it. And so, with a shrug of her shoulders, she leapt headfirst down the Brexit hole. Down, down, down Alice went, through a tunnel that soon widened to a vortex. Around her swirled a hurricane of ballot papers, French cheese and stingy Toblerones. Nick Robinson floated by, waving his arms and declaring that the laws of political gravity no longer applied. Beneath the whoosh of the air, she seemed to hear a nonsensical babbling, which spoke of Ramonas and Brigrette. By this point, Alice realised that she had been falling for a good ten minutes, though personally she would have deemed them a rather bad ten minutes. How long must I plummet? she asked herself. If I don't land somewhere soon, it shall be getting past tea time. And what if I were to carry on through to the other side of the world? Should I find myself in the Antipodes, where up is down, day is night, and a barbecue is a cultural event? It struck Alice that all this plummeting would be easier to tolerate if only Dinah were there. A cat, after all, could show her how to land upon her feet. She had just begun to wonder whether Australian cats always landed on their heads, when, whoomph, she hit the ground. Alice was not a bit hurt. Picking herself up, she saw that she was in a tunnel 
and that her fall had been broken by a large pile of papers. Looking closer, she found that each was a separate EU regulation. Being a free-spirited little girl, Alice was no fan of regulations. But she had to concede that these had proved vital to her health and safety. Alice walked along the tunnel until she found herself in a strange hall, whose walls were lined with doors. These were black and numbered one to ten. She tried each in turn, but all of them were locked. Suddenly, she came upon a three-legged table made of glass, upon which stood a newspaper. Attached to it was a label that said, Read me. Alice was unsure whether this meant the paper or just the label, so she decided she would read both to be on the safe side. She saw from the paper's red top that it was called the Daily Murdoch. On its front page ran the following words. Beware the Eurocrat, old mate. His tape of red, his greedy paws. He'll make all your bananas straight, so say up yours, Dolores. He'll bind you with his croutish rules, his kilos and his human rights. In fact, he and his frog's-leg fools cause all of Blighty's blights. He's why a horde of Turks and Poles steal jobs from Pete and Trevor. He's why your team just missed that goal and why we have this weather. The fact you're sad and unemployed, your kids don't want to see you, the time you had those hemorrhoids, it's all because of the EU. Oh, British bloke, despite all that, you've one trick still inside your sleeve. For you can slay the Eurocrat, just cast your vote for leave. Thus, at the top of every lung, we'll tell the world to go to hell. Why should we learn another tongue, or even ours that well? And then we'll breathe pure British air as Blighty shines in all her charm. Then if an Aussie billionaire should profit, where's the harm? Well now, said Alice, I had no idea the EU was as bad as all that. It's a wonder that anyone stands for it. As she read on, pausing to frown at the photograph on page three, Alice found herself growing more and more angry. The nerve of these Eurocrats! It said right there, in black and white, that they had banned the phrase best of British luck. Henceforth, any luck wished would have to be in metric units and of unspecified national origin. I don't pay tax, said Alice, so that some Brussels-based pencil pusher can tell me what to do. As a matter of fact, I don't pay tax at all. Being so very vexed, Alice failed to notice something remarkable. As her anger grew, so too did her stature. She shot up to five foot, then ten foot, then fifteen, until soon she filled the entire hall. Chapter Two Furiouser and Furiouser Bang! Alice's head hit the ceiling and she dropped her tabloid in fright. She found herself stooping, then kneeling, yet still there was barely enough room for her. 
Eventually, she was forced to lie flat on her stomach, with an arm pinned behind her back and one foot up the chimney. With all that Alice had read, it seemed natural to assume that the EU was behind this transformation. How horrid, she cried. Not only are atrocities being committed against the British banana, but now I have a crick in my neck. Turning her head as far as she could manage, Alice scanned the room for any item that might be of help. Her search did not take long, for lying outside the nearest door was another newspaper. This one, saw Alice, was called The Gordian. By squinting her eyes, she was just about able to read its tiny print. On the front page was a column calling for Britain to vote Remain. It argued that while the European Union had its fair share of flaws, it was ultimately a force for good in the world, despite the lurid claims bandied about by such organs as the Daily Murdoch. Alice found reading the Gordian very reassuring, although its tone was a little smug. As her temper cooled, she felt herself shrink down, fifteen foot, then ten foot, then five, until she had returned to her former height. Although back to normal, Alice felt herself too much puzzled. Was the EU a devil, as depicted in the Daily Murdoch, or was it the angel to be found in the pages of the Gordian? Perhaps it could be either, depending on who was looking at it. But then, said Alice, how can I be sure that I am me? I may very well go calling myself Alice, when another would call me Ada or Florence or Gertrude. No, this is silly, for I know my name to be... With a jolt of horror, she realised she had quite forgotten. Given how queer things had been today, it seemed no stretch to think that she might have woken up as one person and now be another entirely. Enough of this, thought Alice. I shall simply remember my lessons, then work my way back to who I am. Let me see. One times one is two, two plus two is two two, buy one, get one three. Oh dear, that all seems wrong. Well, multiplication can be divisive. I'll try geography. The capital of Rome is London, London is the capital of Paris, but then I'm sure the capital of London is L. Oh, geography's no good either. I'll try and say, how doth the politician? Hmm. How doth the politician lie to burnish his career, and with his bogus slogans try to bend the voter's ear? He'll promise in each interview that perfect joy awaits, and all the while he's screwing you to help his wealthy mates. This did not sound quite right to Alice, especially the part about screwing. Just then, the white rabbit came running towards her. Oh, rabbit, cried Alice, you must help me. I've no idea what's going on. In spite of his large, floppy ears, the creature did not seem to hear her for he made no sign of stopping. Rather, he bounded up to door number ten, and, as he ducked inside, Alice could hear the rabbit hum a merry tune and murmur the word, good. She ran after him and banged her little fists against the door. Dave, she yelled, I followed you down this hole. The least you can do is help me out of it. When came there no reply, poor Alice felt her eyes well up with tears. That 
awful rabbit, she sobbed. I thought he knew what he was talking about, but really he was just posh. The more she dwelled on it, the more she cried, and soon a salty puddle had formed beneath her. This puddle grew into a pool and then a river, and Alice was swept along swimming against the tide. Eventually, a great wave deposited her upon the shore. While relieved not to have been drowned, Alice was soaked through and felt quite miserable. Fortunately, among some nearby reeds, there was a radio broadcasting a speech by George Galloway. Faced with such a tremendous blast of hot air, it took mere seconds for Alice's clothes to dry out. This problem resolved, she was free to explore her surroundings. Before her stood a forest, and wandering through it, Alice noted that the leaves of each tree had written on them either in or out. Soon she came upon a clearing where a large group of woodland creatures were engaged in what is euphemistically known as a spirited debate. The discussion seemed to revolve primarily around two figures, a fox and a hedgehog. Vote leave, said the fox. Remain, said the hedgehog. I'm undecided, said a mouse. The hedgehog called the fox a fascist. The fox replied by saying that the hedgehog was part of a metropolitan elite. A duck muttered darkly about how he worked every day and did not want his bread going to some fancy mallard in Spain. Many of the other animals looked weary and forlorn, as though they wished to God they had never started this debate. We've opened a can of worms, said the badger. What? Where? said the sparrow. Alice approached a vole who stood on the outskirts of the group. Pray tell, she said, who are the creatures gathered here? We call ourselves the general public, said the vole, for we only know things in general and have no grasp of detail. And what, said Alice, is the cause of all this tumult? Why, he replied, the referendum, of course. The fox continued to dominate proceedings. This country, he said, is a proud democracy, the mother of all democracies, and we cannot afford to surrender our decision-making to faceless foreign bureaucrats. He's got a point, said the mouse. Thanks, mate, said the fox. You seem a good, decent bloke. You should come back to my den sometime. Don't listen to him, warned the hedgehog. He just wants to eat you. Typical Project Fear, said the fox. Look, said the cock, the fact is we need to clamp down on immigration. Here we go again, sighed the hedgehog, rolling her eyes. Whenever one attempts to have a civilised debate, some cock starts banging on about immigrants. All I'm saying, the cock continued, is that we don't want foreigners flooding into our forest and changing our way of life. This vote is an opportunity to take back control and tell the frogs to get stuffed. What have we done to deserve that? said the frog. Apologies, said the cock. Of course, I was merely referring to Frenchmen. And given what they do to the likes of you, you ought to sympathise. You want to talk about facts, said the hedgehog. Here are some facts. Immigration to the forest is going down, not up. On top of that... Immigrants pay more into the economy than they take out. 
Also, we're heavily dependent on exports, which is why every leading economist says Brexit would reduce our GDP by up to 15%. They may be your facts, said the cock, but we have our own set of facts and they're every bit as true. Alice felt more confused than ever. Plucking up her courage, she strode into the middle of the assembly. Excuse me, Alice said in the most grown-up voice she could muster. Perhaps you fine creatures could explain the cause of your quarrel. I'm new here, you see. New, said the fox with a suspicious look. How did you come to be in this forest? I swam here, said Alice. Swam here? said the fox, now baring his teeth. So you're an immigrant, an illegal immigrant. Oh, don't be like that, said Alice, for I've had such a difficult time. I had to swim for miles and miles. I might well have drowned. Eh, and it would have served you right, said the cock. You're probably a criminal, or worse, a health tourist. Bloody little girls, said the duck, coming over here and stealing our jobs. I don't want your beastly job, said Alice, taken aback. In fact, I've never had a job in my life. She's on benefits, cried the cock, and almost fell off his perch, such was his excitement. By now, the crowd had become quite mutinous, and Alice could hear shouts of, Go back to where you came from, and British jobs for British workers. The geese were booing, and the snakes all hissed. Alice sensed the popular mood had turned against her. I stand with you, whispered the hedgehog, backing away. Alice thought it might be wise to make a retreat, and so she did, wandering deeper and deeper into the forest. We hope you enjoyed these chapters from Alice in Brexitland, taken from the best-selling book by Levis Carroll, out now in all good bookshops. Make sure you subscribe for the next instalment.